Welcome in to the uh, Nebraska 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brunts and Christofferson. I don't know why I always give myself the full name, but you guys only get the last name. Is that bothersome? Should I change that? I like how you do it. Is that okay? I like, I like the cut of your jib. <laughs> Thank you. It's one of the better compliments I'll get today, I'm sure. I don't love it, but we can talk about it off air. Okay. Well, yeah, that's right. We, we need to probably jump into football which there's been uh, almost two full weeks of media access here football and practices oh. and people are starting to have feelings as to who's going to be the quarterback and or running back and or any of the other positions on the team and so i i think that we should spend the bulk of today discussing this do you, you guys are either of you ready to declare who nebraska's starting quarterback is based off of an hour and 10 minutes of practice that you've watched over a two-week period have we even gotten an hour and 10 minutes uh, 35 each time right i guess it just flies Look by at that math flies by when you're having fun are you having fun eh, i can sorry. never tell uh you're so locked in i know i'm just dialed in and locked in uh no i'm not are you <laughs> uh not at all i've never been more confused about who the starting quarterback's gonna be but it's down to two right yes that's what we hear what did what did you learn today brian well, they're going to they're going to give more reps to uh, Adrian Martinez and Tristan Jebbia with the top units, you know, the next week or so. Uh, Bunch is still going to get worked in there, uh, but it feels like it's the two guys most people thought it was going to be all along, uh, vying for the job. They have a big scrimmage coming up Friday. I'm sure that will tell them something. And, you know, they've got a full week still to decide. They want this thing nailed down a week out from the game. That's what Scott Frost has always said. It doesn't sound like that timetable has changed with the way Mario Verduzco is talking. So, you know, by the end of next week, I don't know if they're going to tell all of us, but uh, I think they're going to know. You know, when, when Scott Frost shows up to that Monday press conference Akron week, you know, if it hasn't been said by then, I assume it's going to be stated that day. You don't think it uh, leaks out? Is it a leak? Does Mario Verduzco mention it in passing like he did with the Patrick O'Brien news? <laughs> or says, oh, you know about Adrian or Tristan, right? Like, he's yeah. your guy? Wouldn't yeah, I don't, I don't expect it to. Wouldn't yeah. it be more likely that it comes out of, like, the scrimmage when there's 100 former Huskers there that, uh, you know, so-and-so took the bulk of the snaps, if that's the case? It could just be a big red herring. They could throw Noah Vedrill out there. <laughs> Take the first team snaps. They they have two scrimmages going on: one where the the players can watch, <laughs> and the other one where they can't. That would actually be diabolical, and I kind of like it. Uh, and then there's another scrimmage that'll take place on what Saturday the twenty fifth, in which people who ran in the uh, the big red road race have been invited to go watch. I kind of wish I would have run now. Do you? I mean, no, really? I mean. No, I don't. I actually, I, no I, I, part of I me views attending a Nebraska practice as a reward for having to run whatever the distance was set at. It was like, but five, that's generally my views on running. Five k. Yeah, you're you're slimmed down. You could run five k. I could no have done five k. I wouldn't have enjoyed it. I wouldn't have liked. Well, it. no, I could have done it. So not one of us signed up for it. Huh? No. <laughs> Fair enough. That's that. That sounds about right. <laughs> it makes sense. Fits the priorities. What else did we learn this week? I don't know. I wasn't here. Well, yesterday, the, the run, so this is on you guys. Well, okay. the run, I mean, the running backs are 
sorting themselves out, I guess. Uh, today, Ryan Held, I think, kind of gave a rundown that would you say it's Bell, Mo Washington, Ozigbo? As yeah, the in some order. Guy. I mean, I don't know if that's like your definite one, two, three. Yeah, but those... I don't mean it that way, but those are like the three. And then Trey Bryant's kind of the wild card, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Well, and, and what's interesting to me, and this has come up when there's been the discussion about Nebraska having three running back commits. A name that we haven't heard as much this summer is Jalen Bradley. Yeah. And he kind of, I mean, I, I wasn't expecting Will Bond to be heavily in the mix, and that's kind of played itself out. Um, but Jalen Bradley, being where he's at, certainly makes things sort of interesting for the future because if you're the fourth guy, and they're going to go deep with running backs, but um, kind of makes you wonder. He was a guy that showed a few things last year when he, he was did. healthy. Uh, so we know he can play a little bit. I, I just think it a lot of it is that, you know, they liked what they got out of Greg Bell in the spring a lot. I think he was a clear-cut number one coming out of there. Mo Washington is impressed, whether it's been his teammates, whether it's been his coaches, whoever. Uh, he is impressed. And then, I mean, Ozigbo has caught a lot of attention, too, mm-hmm. uh, for, for one, how he looks, and two, how he's practiced so far. Well, Maurice Washington, I mean, he probably bumped somebody off. I mean, he, they didn't know if he was going to – be available this fall for a while. Now he's here, and they thought maybe he'd be. He was underweight. How's he going to stack up? He's done okay with his weight, and there's only so many carries to go around, basically. And so somebody probably lost out on six, seven, eight carries a game when he got declared eligible and uh, started, you know, ripping off spectacular runs, as Frost himself said the it, first week. It's interesting in that group. Ryan Held said today that. You know, one big factor that's going to go into figuring out how that depth chart shakes out at running back is actually going to be special teams. Because when you get into the season, you're having to put together travel rosters. You know, the, those spots are at a premium, and you need guys that can help you in, in multiple areas. And, I mean, maybe that's where, you know, somebody sneaks in there. But, um, you know, that that's, I think, that's something that maybe gets overlooked a little bit is once you get into Big Ten season, roster you, you, construction. you need to be aware of that stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. As the roster grows and grows and they want to work it to 150, this, this staff, probably more than recent staff, seems more keen on starters being heavily involved in special teams. I mean, they with UCF, they had one of their top wide receivers out there covering kicks, you know, um, and – you know, Trey Neal shows up and said, ask, you know, Javon DeWitt, I want to be on all four special teams to send a message that this is a big deal where we came from. You know, you got this is a part of the game we have to specialize in. Deontay Williams said the other day he's going to be on all four special teams, and he's a guy who I think is going to play a lot. So I think you're going to see a lot of these guys who are one and two on the depth chart out there. You know, it's not just going to be walk-ons covering kickoffs. Yeah. Well, and there's been guys in the past that have really wanted to kind of do that. I mean, I know Stanley Morgan has has been vocal that he wants to be involved in all of the special teams. Joshua Kalu wanted to be involved in all of the special teams. But when you have a staff that's a little bit more willing to do it than maybe either Polini or Riley were, where they utilize more of their redshirt guys or their, their younger guys for those roles, um, it'd be curious to see if that makes – sort of a difference in overall special team play. I mean, it does yeah. seem like you have your better players out there. It should. Uh, but we always think about special teams in such a niche fashion that you don't think about your 
one of your top wide receivers being a gunner. Like, you just don't. Mm -hmm. You would assume that it'd be one of your fastest guys. But if that doubles up, then it would make sense. Mm -hmm. I I think it helps you, too, if you're Nebraska. You've got a lot of depth at the outside linebacker spots. You've got some safety depth. You've got, you know, those types of positions that do well on coverage units. It feels like there's enough depth there where you can pull on guys who are also going to be contributors, uh, you know, on the – you know, regular defense. I mean, Colin Miller's a guy I think that that's probably going to have a large role there. I'm sure Tyron Ferguson uh, w- would be on your special teams unit as well. I mean, that there's seems like there's a lot of options for guys where they're not going to have to just bring guys on the road just to just to play. You know, punt coverage or something like that. Yeah, I think that that's kind of the beauty of their emphasis on versatility and roster construction, and it's going to make. For some interesting decisions, but it might actually make it easier for them when they're deciding who's staying, who's going, because they have so much trust in in some of those roles. What other takeaways? I mean, I wasn't here for the defense on Tuesday. What did you learn from uh, the coaches or the players that you you talked with last week? Because everything I had heard uh, is that they sort of stole the show the first week of fall camp. They were kind of the better unit that um, they were well-prepared, that they came to work, and things looked pretty good coming out of the defensive side of it last week. Now, whole new week this week. Yeah, I, I think the big takeaway that's been coming out is that they're they're causing disruption, which they didn't a year ago. Um, you know, they only caused 12 turnovers last season here at Nebraska, and UCF caused 32. And I know some people say, well, that was their second year in that defense. Chenander's first defense at UCF, caused 26 turnovers which I think ranked 18th in the country yeah. that first season so it's it's a it's an mo and we we talked about this previously like even in those beginning drills we saw last week where there's these specialty things they do which are emphasizing taking the ball away just in a small little drill before you even get the practice really rolling and I think you build habits that way um, and and so that's that's been one of the things I think the other thing I've taken away is just there's so many guys it feels like in the back end and the front end that are going to play in some way like the linebackers I could see like the middle being kind of two or three guys but then when you get to the D line we already know Mike Dawson has said I'm going to rotate a lot and I think you said like even today it was Stilly at one end spot freedom at the other end and uh, Mick mm-hmm. and Carlos wasn't even out there. That doesn't. I wouldn't read too much into that. But the point is, they're gonna they're gonna throw all these guys out there, 10, 11 guys on the defensive line, and then in the secondary, safety's really stacking up in a hurry with Trey Neal and JoJo Doman got some love the other day. Yeah. So, I, I that position group has changed dramatically since the spring. Just how many people are involved all of a sudden. Would you say that those factors might be some of the biggest as to where the optimism about Nebraska is coming from out of fall camp so far? I think so at Chenander. You know, the first week when he showed up and he was so excited about where they were, I took it as coaches who probably in March and April looked at like a position group like the secondary and the corners are like, we don't have a safety net here. Like, if, if Lamar or Boodle isn't up to it, who's the next guy? Like, you don't, you don't know. And at least I think now they feel like, okay, there's options. Like, if somebody can't hold his own, we can go to this guy maybe. 
or we could move this guy here. And I don't know that they felt that necessarily four months ago on the back end. Yeah, it's it's interesting that that secondary group. Talking to Travis Fisher yesterday, I mean he's not a he's not the sugar coating type. Um, That's what makes him the best. Yeah, and you know he was he was critical of of his guys, but you know when when he started kind of ticking through the players in his room who can help at center or not center, geez, uh, can help at safety. Be quite the transition. Yeah, there you go. That, Will it. Jackson now starting yeah. center. Uh, 200 pounds center. Spending reps with Conrad. Yeah. Um, heard it here first. The That safety spot, you, you've got guys that can help you there that can also help you at corner. Deontay Williams. Uh, I mean, they feel like JoJo Doman can be a nickel. Boodle can be a nickel. They've got a lot of mixing and matching that they can do that I don't know that they would have said they could do in the spring. With just all those guys, I mean, you didn't have Trey Neal, you didn't have Will Jackson, you didn't have Cam Taylor, you didn't know what you had with JoJo Doman. I mean, there's a big difference adding those four names into your group. And that's not – I I get the impression that Will Jackson's been a little bit slow on the – you know, getting up to speed with things. He apparently had some hip injuries or hip issues he was fighting too. So I I think that's maybe not a reason for – optimism but it's not a big as big of a question mark as it was and, and it's interesting too I mean you you watch Aaron Williams who we thought was going to be a big piece of this defense and he's going to be but I mean he's still not you know in, in some tackling drills he's not going full speed mm-hmm. um, and you know I, I think if you would have said that you know in March there would have been a real big cause for concern. But now you've got Neil Williams, Antonio Reed's having a, a solid camp by all accounts too. So it, it just feels like there's, you know, you're probably losing a lot less sleep now that if you're Eric Chenander than you were, you know, on, on April 16th or whenever, or 21st, whenever the spring game was. There's certain guys too that keep coming up that they just like how they go to work. And Mo Berry always comes up at linebacker. Dedrick Young comes up. I mean, those those guys are going to lead the middle. I think Honus is going to play too, don't get it wrong. But I think those two veterans are your leaders uh, on the inside. Um, Gifford has had to work his way back. You know, he's had to play catch-up a little bit, which is, it's kind of a fascinating storyline because he was maybe their best player prior to the injury. But then you've got guys like Tyron Ferguson coming on and um, – that's a fight, and yeah. Gifford knew it was going to be a fight, but that's good. And I, the good thing is a guy like Gifford understands it. He like likes that, that there's this competition at outside backer and that it's ramped up more than it has been in the past. Yeah, well, and I mean, I, I just think he's a guy that you know wants to win with whatever, mm-hmm. whatever that takes, if it's a rotation, if it's him starting, if it's, you know, whatever it is. I mean, I think that he's a, he's a very – big you know team first guy and so that fits really well Tyron Ferguson is one of those guys and I wasn't there obviously on Tuesday but I just remember Javon DeWitt kind of lighting up when talking about Tyron Ferguson they like him the way that he practices the way that he plays uh he said that one of the things that he really values with Ferguson is that you know he's always going 100 miles an hour and that if there's a mistake at least it's coming out of the position of he's playing as hard as he can and he's not tentative and I know you hear coaches say that a fair amount of time, um, and I've always sort of wondered why that's valuable, but it it kind of makes sense. I mean, if you've got a guy who's all effort all the time, like you can kind of fix – you can fix those things to mm-hmm. get them to where they can understand what they're supposed to be doing. 
you're always having to motivate somebody to get them to go and you still have problems, I could see where that would be frustrating as a coach. Talk to Greg Austin today, um, and, and that's an interesting group, that offensive line. He said that you know they graded out pretty well from the, in that scrimmage from the standpoint of knowing assignments. They don't have big busts. There's not guys you know running through the line like it's a turnstile to get to the quarterback. the The thing that he talked about was that they, they're now working on getting consistent aggression and getting physicality on every play, and, that, and that's something that they've really been working on. Uh, th- through this last week, guys have been kind of self-diagnosing that. He-, he mentioned too, though, that you know, as okay as they looked in that scrimmage, he he made some comment that basically, if they played the way that they did in that scrimmage, they're looking at a six and six season. It's a two-win improvement. Yeah, um, that's that's somebody how, somebody just threw their hat listening to this. That, podcast that gets you right to now. New York in, in December against Boston College. Um, guys being dudes just guys being dudes uh so i that that group i think bears watching a little bit i i I don't feel like there's really a lot of surprises in terms of the depth chart we haven't seen anything that's changed um in in terms of who where guys are and, and guys making a move or whatever um but that group needs to improve, and they, they need to be better. And, and I, I think that they've got the guys. It's just a matter of how do they get those guys to all raise to the next level. Yeah. And, I mean, when we did our most indispensable Huskers list in the summer, we both had the tackles pretty high because of what's yep. behind them and what's unknown behind them. And I think that's still a real worry if one of those guys limps off. And, we and honestly, we don't even know what Farniok's made of yet. I mean, as far as – he kind of had to learn some lessons last year, and we got to see how much he learned. Um, Hymas, you know, he's got a whole new test to left, on the left side. So that that outside part of the line is, to me, still one of the biggest question marks. Yeah, and, and it, it probably will be, you know, throughout the year because you, you mentioned it. you got a couple young guys learning uh, quite a bit in this offense, and then you don't have a ton of depth. I mean – when you were walking around practice, and I don't know if either of you guys noticed this, but I was over around the offensive line today, and they break them apart. And you got the guards going one side, and you got the the tackles going to another, and the centers are off working on snapping with the quarterback. There was four total tackles. Yeah, like there, there's not a lot there. I mean, you're talking Sichterman uh, and Gaylord. Yeah, Sichterman, Gaylord, uh, Farniak, and Hymas. Everybody else was working with Greg Austin on inside stuff. And so, um, you know, that is a very thin group, and it's one of the things that they, as they recruit, I continue to think they're not going to take a junior college offensive tackle because I suspect that they're just going to try to ride out where they're at with Sichterman um, and see if he develops and see where, you know, Farniok, if he stays to the right tackle spot or maybe he could slide in inside. Uh, and then they have those two development guys and Michael Flynn and Matthew Anderson who down the road could be really good players with their frames at six foot seven. So I, I just wonder, because you see it right now, if they had a junior college offensive tackle, I think it would be very helpful for them. Mm-hmm. It would be you know, a shot in the arm depth-wise, but they just they, – it's very thin, basically. And, and that's scary because you're not going to get very few teams in college football – start the same offensive line at the beginning of the year through the end of the year, you know, each week. 
And so there's going to be injuries, and I'll be curious, you know, who gets slid around if a guy like Bo Wilson might have to move to right tackle at some point uh, to just give them a little bit of depth uh, if that's what they need to do. I want to say one thing, too. We talked about the quarterbacks at the start, but there's going to be some hot takes that are based off of the what we saw for 25 minutes today, and I already see them out there. And I – I think it's really misguided. <laughs> I, just, I just want to say that. Like, I think the people are saying stuff because Jebby happened to get first snaps today. I just think, I don't know who's going to start, but I don't think that told us anything. And this Well, tea, I mean, they flat out leaf, said they're rotating. I know. This tea leaf reading is just ridiculous. And it, I mean, if they're going to let us go over there and watch stuff for 30 minutes, let's take it for what it is. It's and they also know everybody's watching and they don't want to say who the quarterback is. So it's not like they're going to give you this big, like, here it is. Here's the sign. I, I, I walked away there thinking nobody between Martinez and Jebby is, I don't know. That's what I walked out of there. BC's big takeaway. I don't know. <laughs> I know, but I like at least let's say that's that what people were say- paying for with this free podcast. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I okay. If you were to make a prediction, you can. We can make a prediction. Who would you predict? I would predict Martinez. So would I. I think he's the guy that they want to be the starting quarterback. Um, I think that he has all the tools in the toolbox that they want at the position, and I haven't seen anything that would make me think otherwise based on the spring or the fall. And I expect that when it's announced, it'll be Adrian Martinez. I could entirely be wrong, but. Well, no, no, long we... term, I long term, I'm not <laughs> wrong. Like I know they want it to be Adrian Martinez. It's just a matter of whether he takes the job now or later. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, it's the comparisons to Mariota, the fact that he was basically their hand-picked guy. I mean, long term, that's your guy, and I, I think that's to me that's kind of what the whole question pivots on a little bit. Is is is, is the he... gap between him now and where they need him to be right. so wide that Jebby is better? Right. Like, is he ready to take that job? I mean, that, that's because I think Tristan Jebby would, would be fine in this offense. I think he would run it fine. I think that he would be decisive as a passer. I think he's better as a runner than people give him credit for. People get a little too hung up, I think, on the size part of it. I think he would be fine. It's just, you know, I, I think that Martinez just checks so many more boxes from, from, for the ideal quarterback that they want in this system than what Jebby is. But it's just a matter of whether Adrian Martinez coming off of a shoulder injury last year, uh, you know, getting adjusted to college football is ready to be that guy. I know I made this joke to you after practice, but the two best throws I saw all day actually came from their 40, 41-year-old head coach. Scott Frost just pitching him in there on the sidelines. Oh, yeah? He had a couple of really nice corner throws. He's still got some, some hot sauce left in that chicken wing. Yeah. The, the corner out wasn't exactly clicking today for for much of those in the green jerseys. It's a tough pass. A lot of guys jumping yeah. with no no actual fingertips on the ball as they were coming back down to the green turf. You know, another name uh, we didn't mention, but he Jack Stoll is – must be doing a heck of a job over there because he keeps coming up and Troy Walters brought him up um today and actually the tight ends had the best part of the Sunday scrimmage he said which I thought was interesting considering that that's one of those position groups we never talk about yeah when we were also talking about the DBs and how there's this big concern about them in the spring tight ends you would have to say the same thing like 
you didn't know exactly how they're going to transition from the Seathan Carter slash Tyler Hoppus year and what were they going to be this season. And it looks like Stoll and Austin Allen, they're at least, they like what they can potentially bring. Yeah. And I, I mean, Becton today talked about Austin Allen and he's excited about where he's made improvements in terms of strength and being able to play in the line. And they, I think they were always pretty excited about him being split out because of that size and what he could do in a short area like the red zone. But his being able to help in line and his improvements there are, are really good. And then Allen, you know, when he talked today, basically, I thought it was interesting when given the chance to talk about his weight gains in the offseason, he felt like the biggest thing that happened for him mentally was going through the program because he sees it as very valuable for this team when they face adversity mm. because of the challenges that they were put in and, and the mental stress that that caused. And they were able to go through it, and he feels like he's mentally stronger, and that's going to help him, and he feels the team you know, in, in this year because I think he, he was basically trying to say they're, they've got some big challenges that they're going to face and that they know that they can overcome them because of what they did in the summer, which I thought was – a little bit deeper of an answer than what you're normally going to get when guys immediately talk to putting on weight and throwing weight around the weight room. Have we, are, are we all in on, on Jack? Stoll? Do, have we bought up all the Jack Stoll stock? Have we talked about that? I mean, I've, I moved off of the Jack Stoll stock to now I'm buying up a bunch of Austin Allen stock in terms of having a handcuff when they just start rolling out double tight end sets that nobody expected to see coming. Yeah, because you can buy the Allen stock a little cheaper right now than the oh, yeah. well, stocks. Oh yeah, I speculated on it in the spring too, right. pretty early. We, on, we've so. all we've all been big like yeah. Austin Allen fans yeah. here. I don't know about Bruns, but yeah, Bruns. I don't know, but why why are you an Austin <laughs> Allen hater? Yeah. <laughs> I'll use your answer. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That hate is. The, I don't in. know. Podcast brought to you by Oscar Twenty Four Seven. What's going to happen this year? I don't know. I don't know who's going to be a safety. I don't know. I've got all the non-answers that you can ever Decisive want. non-answers is what you expect from us. I like a good I don't know sometimes. Yeah, if it's honest, yeah. It's better than uh, I know when you don't know. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> this is true. Well, uh, are there any other players that have come up either? Here, here's a question. Okay. It's fine. Just Sorry, okay. I'll, I'll, no, just, just, I'll take over. climb over you. Um, so we, we've talked about surprising areas. The secondary is very exciting. Tight ends coming right along, best of, best of Sunday. Are there still areas of concern for you? Eleven practices into this thing, and I would appreciate an answer beyond I don't know. Well, we went over tackle. Tackle. I think that's a fair one. Yep. I still think corner is a concern in that you don't know how some of these guys are going to play. Mm-hmm. I think they have more depth. And I think guys like Cam Taylor makes it easier that if there are um, some concerns with Lamar Jackson or Boodle or whoever, Deontay Williams in that same boat, the Cam Taylor, Williams, you'd be able to put them in and play. I think Cam Taylor is going to play. I don't think he's going to redshirt this Ooh, year. Definitely not. I think he'll go well over the four-game threshold. Those are the two that jump out to me immediately. A lot of it for me at this point is I'm so ready for the season to come around because I want to see how this surplus depth at like wide receivers shakes out. Or even, you know, you were talking safety. I just I want to see it's it's third and six. Who are those two guys back there in that sort of situation? What does the, the unit kind of look like? And 
those are kind of the I've moved from the concerns to now I'm just straight you know curiosities of of I'm ready you know we're still 16 days away or whatever it is but I'm I'm ready to see what a lot of this looks like because there's there's so many things that intrigue me about this team with the way that it's constructed is it just going to be you know a grand central station of people coming in and out all the time hockey style changes at wide receiver and running back and even the defensive line I mean they truly go nine deep like that that changes the whole complexion of your defense a little bit are we concerned about kicker is that a no. concern? I, it's not to me. I don't know. Yeah. Because you don't I care, don't <laughs> or or because like it's it's you feel solid about where things are. Both, in a way. Like I I don't expect the kicking game to be great this year. In large part because a freshman kicker, I think, is you know a good year for him would be right around sixty five to seventy percent. Do Do you think that it's so? You're basically saying that it's probably going to be like a Drew Brown freshman. Yeah, year. and if that's what they gotcha. get, that's that's perfectly fine to me. I don't think that it's going to cost him games. One of the things that I found interesting from what DeWitt has said so far in August is that Caleb Lightborn has a substantial lead as a kickoff guy. And Caleb Lightborn has a massive foot. People haven't really seen that yet. Was that, was that last year where he was kicking field goals? Yeah. And just kind of messing around and we were kind of looking at each other like, holy crap. Yeah. I mean, he. I think he's sort of a weapon for them a little bit in terms of kickoffs where you know drew brown would always try to put it inside the five in part because i don't think he he could go full touchback a lot i think lightborn has that leg power to be able to do that and if they want to you know just start everybody out on the 25 and eliminate the return game they might be able to do that quite a bit uh but just the straight field goal kicking which is i think what you were asking about i'm not overly concerned about it but I don't think, I, honestly, I don't think I would ever say that I am. And maybe I just don't value that area of the game enough. I don't know. I think if I were anticipating Nebraska playing a lot of close games, I would be more concerned about it. I don't, I don't think you're going to see a lot of, like, 20 to 17 type games. Like You're going to make some people mad now. No, probably not. Like, like I, I, I'm concerned because I, I – so I mean, like, kick, kickers don't keep me up at night, but I mean, it's an area that we have not heard much about at all during fall camp. My takeaway from what you're saying here is Brunts expects blowouts. Huskers get hammered. Well, why do you have to go to the negative? Couldn't it be Nebraska doing the blowing out? Well, how many blowout wins are they going to have? I don't know. Some. Based on, based on the last five years of this team, there's been like three, so. Well, that's that's different style. <laughs> it's a new era, damn it. <laughs> I don't know. I I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of I don't knows today. I think I said it after I got done with the the kicker thing too, so I'm guilty. Of I don't think well. you can make any assumption. Pickering was a good pickup as a recruit, but you never know how a guy's going to respond to college. He's got good range. It sounds like, according to what Javon Dewitt said. But I mean, even Drew Brown, his freshman year, he was a little up and down that first yeah. year. People kind of forget that and. People wanted him off the team to start his sophomore yeah. year when he missed those two kicks against BYU. There are some good punters here, too, the first year or so didn't light it up. I think Lightborn's going to be pretty good this year, like you were saying. Uh, Pickering, I just, I'm not sure until we see what, you know, he gets a 41-yarder and it's a windy, how do you handle it? And it's uh, to put Nebraska up in a close game that Brunts doesn't expect. Yeah. yeah. 
in a 70 to 67 game. <laughs> Is that what you mean? That there's going to be a lot of points? I, I just feel like there's going to be a lot of points. That's that's what I'm saying. But it could still be close. Yeah. No. I, I like the idea of a 70 to 67 game coming down to a kick. Can we? Would you be willing to say how many games you think end in a touchdown or less? Uh, three, four. Is that fair? I was actually four was what immediately came to mind for me. Do you want in on this? Um, do you want your first answer of three or do you want four? I'll go with four, three. So none of us really think that. I mean, four games out of your your potential thirteen, fourteen game schedule is not very. It's not a very high percentage. So no. maybe you are right. Maybe it is going to be double-digit blowout central. Yeah. If, if you're still listening, tweet at me when you're listening and tell me if I'm right or wrong on this because I'd be curious to know. I, I really – I have no strong feelings either way. I'm just kind of pulling four out of the air. Does anybody have strong feelings on the kicker? So you don't, I don't, he doesn't. I'm just asking. Just asking the question and walking away. I know there was some people that were uh, pontificating the idea of Nebraska going out and getting a grad transfer kicker in the offseason to – improve the team but i i don't think that was ever really on the table no did you uh you were on a trip speaking of transitions seg- segways you, you you were on a trip recently mike where were you well brunts i went to the great city of denver and visited cherry creek high school where one michael lynn one of nebraska's newest commits plays and lynn Along with offensive lineman Carson Lee, both really interesting. Lee has an offer to Nebraska already. He's a 2020 guy. Lynn, I didn't know much about when he committed. And so it was it was good for me because I got a chance to kind of learn uh, about him, learn about his story a little bit, learn from his coach about the upside in his game. And then he sort of walked through the process. And he was a little bit different recruit than what we've seen so far in that he came out for the spring game. And Nebraska wasn't all that interested in him. And he kind of even remarked, like, I didn't talk to a whole lot of people when I was out there. But when Greg Austin came to my school and he kind of said through my coach that Nebraska was impressed that I was willing to take that visit, and then they went back through and they watched the film and they were moving me up on their board, they wanted to know what my level of interest would be based on what I experienced in the spring game. And he really likes the atmosphere in Lincoln. He really likes the the coaching staff. And so – when he found out Nebraska was more interested than he originally thought, they immediately moved up to the top for him, uh, along with Arizona. And it was really those two teams all throughout the summer. And he said he sort of made the decision early, mid-July. And for two, three weeks, he kind of had that note stowed away in his phone that he was going to commit to Nebraska. He didn't ever tell the coaching staff that they were leading or that he was thinking about them. And in fact, when he called Greg Austin to tell him that he was going to commit, Austin initially was so surprised by the phone call that he thought that Lynn was going to tell him that he was going elsewhere. And so he started off the conversation with, hey, I hope everything's good between us. (laughs) And it results in a commitment. So uh, just a a unique story. And he's a a big kid. He's got a great frame. Um, You know, I don't. I can't profess to know a ton about offensive line play, and so when I watch his highlights, he looks like he's handling the guys that he's supposed to. He's one of those guys that I think you get in the system, you let him build for a couple years, and you see where he can take you. And then along with that, you have a teammate in Carson Lee who's 
uncle and cousins grew up diehard Nebraska fans. He knows about the history of the program and sort of the, the titles and everything that happened before he was even born. He's fascinated by all of that. Uh, he's got offers to Michigan, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, some other programs. He went and killed it at the opening in Dallas in the spring, and that's kind of where he blew up. He expects he's going to hear from a lot of new teams once September 1 rolls around and you can contact juniors officially. But Nebraska's definitely at the top of that group. I mean, he really likes Austin, really likes the plan they have if he were to go there where he'd be either a guard or a center and they would, you know, in his words, they'd figure it out pretty early on so he wasn't having to jump back and forth between the two. He's open to playing either of them. Uh, and he's a guy that I think is probably going to end up getting re-rated. I mean, we have him as a low three-star, and his offers and his interests certainly don't reflect that. And uh, he's smaller of the two. I mean, he's 6'2", 6'3". And so, but he's got kind of the mean streak, according to his coach, and throws some people around. So, you know, we've talked about this, Brunts, and I think Colorado has the potential to be a state where Nebraska gets two or three kids every year. They're going to get two this year. Maybe there's another one out there, whether it's Trustin Oliver who came out for a visit or there's an intriguing outside linebacker uh, that they're keeping an eye on as well that they haven't offered. But you look at 2020, you look at 2021, there's good players in that state. And talking to, to the coach over at Cherry Creek, they feel like Colorado has kind of turned into a little bit what St. Louis is now, where you have teams that aren't from the region just parachuting in to try to grab up some of this talent. Yeah. Because they think it's being – it was under-recruited, and then now it's sort of being exposed that there's a lot of talent there and that it's not just the Utahs or the, the Colorados or – you know, the occasional California school, you're getting a lot of teams from Texas coming up there. Uh, they think that they're closing in on you're seeing more Big Ten interest besides Nebraska. Ohio State and Michigan have been there a lot. Yep. And then uh, you might even see some SEC teams at some point too. So there's – they feel like it's an area where it's really going to become a hotbed sooner than later. It, it, it's an interesting state because of, you know, in covering recruiting in the last few years, I've always kind of gotten the impression that, especially as Colorado has kind of gotten to where it is now, there's not much languishing is what you're yeah. trying to avoid saying. Yeah. So you don't I, give them any bulletin board material. There's just not there's not that draw to to Colorado and you know Colorado State. I, I think they're going to get some in-state guys, but it's never really the type of draw that. You know, a, a Big Ten team or a Texas or somebody like that might be, and you know, it's just a matter of of getting in the schools, evaluating, finding guys. I mean, it's in some ways high school football there is kind of like it is where in Nebraska, where you have most of the talent is concentrated in a very small handful of schools. So it's not like you're having to go all over the place evaluating like crazy. I mean, you could probably hit most of the... Most of the talents the, on like two interstates. Right, the hotbeds in that area in, in an afternoon. So, you know, that, the fact that it's a, a direct flight into Lincoln, it's a direct flight into Omaha, it's a, it's a day drive to get there. You can get guys to camp. Um, there, there's a lot of reasons why Nebraska should be successful or needs to be successful in Colorado. And I think you have to give credit to Barrett Rood for the job that he's done there initially with establishing Nebraska in that area. You know, I, I think having that one person that's just the point man in that state is important, whereas before it was a lot more by position. So you'd have 
know, John Garrison there, and then you'd have Charlton Warren there. And, and, it, and guys would get missed that way. Right. And I, I think if you just have that one guy that goes in, mines the area, I, th- I think that's a good approach. And I think that that's, again, an area where Nebraska can have a lot of success and, and isn't, even though it's getting popular among, you know, Big Ten schools are noticing, SEC schools are going in there. It's still not to the level of St. Louis. It's still not, um, you know, one of those kinds of crossroads type cities where there's there's a lot of schools that just naturally go there. Well, and one of the things that helps in those areas, and it helps in St. Louis too, is a lot of these guys all know each other because yeah. they go to the same trainers or around the same seven-on-seven teams. And so, you know, Michael Lynn, when he commits, calls – Luke McCaffrey right away to let him know. And then a second phone call is to Tate Wildeman. And, you know, he knows Jack Stoll. Like, they, they know all these guys already. And if if you see people that you sort of grew up either watching when they were in high school and you were a little bit younger or that, you know, you trained with and they're ending up at a place like Nebraska, it makes it a little bit more appealing for them. One final thought on it. One of the – the coach said this, and I thought it was kind of interesting, and you know more about Colorado than I do, but – he referred to it as sort of a transient state in which a lot of people move there from somewhere else and there aren't necessarily like roots. And he thinks that's why it's such an easy area for teams from outside yeah. to come in because a lot of people move there, move away, move back. It's just you don't have those sort of dynasty-esque families that are just always from Colorado. It's people that have come from somewhere else find the that they like life in the mountains or life in Denver and, and choose to stay there but don't choose to make, you know, their families haven't been living there for years and years on end. Right. Yeah. And it, it's, I mean, you just drive around Denver or try to drive around Denver now and you can see how that it's popular, exploded. That it's exploded like crazy. So, I mean, that that's, I think an area that there in Kansas city are the two where I think Nebraska has to be effective. And they, Kansas city is mind boggling to me that just the last couple of years, there's has been nothing. Yeah. And not that the talent isn't there. It's just there hasn't been – they haven't pulled the kids. They haven't uh, landed the ones that they've gone after. Or it's just – it's weird. I, you think of so many great players that have come out of that area, and it's just odd to me that it has come up bust as much as it has in the last couple of years. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We moved off of I don't know to yes. We're making progress. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I – There'll be some more stuff from those two guys. There'll be some more kind of recruiting things. There's a lot of interesting VIP stuff recruiting-wise that have been popping up on the boards. Oh. Uh, you know, we got – there's a wide receiver that's in the top 247 that Nebraska's trending with well right now. Steve Wiltfong dropped that nugget. I wrote about a potential major visitor that Nebraska has to get a waiver for to come out for an official visit for that Akron game. You can learn about that on the website. And uh, there's some players that maybe Nebraska's trending with that people weren't expecting either. So there's a chance that you could have your next few commits could be some of your highest rated guys in the class. Very interesting. Which is always kind of fun. Hmm. Hmm. It's a good teaser. Yeah, well, can't give it all away for free on the I Don't Know podcast. That's true. Well, do we have anything else? You get significantly more definitive in, in that stuff, by the way. When? You do. For what? Like the stuff that you write about on the site. You're much more definitive about that versus well, yeah. whatever this is. And that's kind of the job. Yeah. This is the hobby, right? Yes, it is. So, uh, anything else we want to throw into this 
mismatch of a podcast here? I don't Any think more so. kicker thoughts? No, I'm good. Uh, I've calmed down. I'm I'm off the <laughs> I'm off the ledge. I, I like that you you've calmed down. Then you were so I was agitated. Over yeah. There. Anything else, Brian? Um, how about a final prediction? Nebraska's starting quarterback will be announced when? Oh. Recording this on August 15th. Thursday, August 30th. Whoa, man. You think the final practice they're going to think they're well, going to I think that's just when Frost is going to be like, "Yeah, this is what it's going to be." Wow. I think I don't, you know, I could see him being coming in on that Monday for the press conference cuz we don't talk to him otherwise. You do. On the final week? Frost? Yeah, I think so, don't we? Well, the he, Monday and Thursday, yeah. Yeah, that's so what you're that's about. why I'm saying that Thursday. Oh, yeah. You're saying okay. if he doesn't say it at the presser, right. we got to wait till Thursday. So I'm I'm playing the long game. Gotcha. I think I think we will know before game week, like next Friday. Yeah, like the twenty fourth. That's what I was gonna predict. You're playing the short game. Yeah. No, nobody's just playing the game. No. I think it's one of two dates. It's next Friday, where they're like, okay, it's clear enough, you yep. know. And Frost in his one session with us does it, or that Monday press conference. I think he hat will probably be like, yeah, this is who it is. Well, know? they're gonna put a death chart out, right? Yeah. On that first or on unless that they just or they play it or all the way up to the kick or I. I think we'll know before game week. I'm now rooting for this to go long. Yeah. Not only just so I can be correct, but also because of the consternation it'll cause some individuals. Somebody's going to ask next week who the starting quarterback's going to be, and Schaefer's going to shush him. <laughs> Not now. You could maybe or ask. very loudly. Or. <laughs> you could maybe ask the question to Frost next Friday. You could put state in a way. Like, you probably don't want to give it away yeah. just yet. We don't Scott, actually but, want to know. You've got to ask, but, but you don't want to tell us. <laughs> you might want to wait. Have you considered letting us know on Thursday, August 30th, what the quarterback situation is going to be? Scott, do me a solid. <laughs> oh, well. All right. We got our predictions in? I'm, yeah, I'm uh, I'm team next Friday. Yeah. Uh, that sounds like a, the, 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 tr- fourth, <laughs> the fourth movie in the Friday series. Yeah. The bus is filling up, Schaefer. Hop on now. Yeah, I'm I'm off. I don't want to be on that one. I'm team next Ice Cube movie. All right. Well, we uh, as always we'll have plenty of stuff on the website at husker247sports.com. I nailed it. Didn't get it wrong this time. I know mm-hmm. what website I actually work for. Yes, it's great. Well done. And there should be some good practice nuggets as well. You would think uh, with Frost talks again on Friday, this Friday, not next Friday. And well, actually, he'll probably talk on both Fridays. But and then there's a scrimmage over the weekend that we'll certainly try to gather some details from from the uh, letter winners in attendance. So get your rolodexes out of former players that you think might be in Lincoln and start bugging them now. See if you can get on the the email chain for that. So otherwise, we'll be back with you next week with another edition of the uh, Nebraska 24/7 podcast. <laughs> <laughs>